0: All right, how many are ready for the word this morning? Hallelujah. I tell you, this is, uh, I was uh, just preparing all day, kind of yesterday, and just kind of all week was mentally working in a direction that I felt like we were supposed to be going. And and then um, early this morning, I felt like God breathed a scripture in my heart. So I had to rework everything that I put into what I was working on. And so I just want to release that, and I felt like I got confirmation from that because in the middle of worship, nobody even knows uh, what I was going to preach on or anything, but in the middle of worship, Christine Jackman came up, and she said, I felt like I just got a word from the Lord that came up in prayer time, and then it came up in worship, and I'm going to ask her if she would just come, and I want her to release this word over the house, and then I'm just going to come in behind it and declare what God is already saying. Amen? So praise the Lord. Let's receive this today.
1: Good morning. Good morning. Listen, when we got in prayer this morning, when I joined the ladies back in the prayer room, I heard the Lord say clear as can be that breakthrough is available today. Breakthrough is available for homes today. Breakthrough is available for homes today. Some of you have been hanging on a thread wondering where God is. Some of you have been calling on the name of the Lord and believing him. But I declare to you today, breakthrough is available in your home. I don't know what that looks like for you. I don't know what that sounds like for you. But how do you receive that today? You receive it by faith. Father, we thank you. It's a gift. It's a gift. And I heard the word during worship, turmoil. There's a lot of turmoil. So today we declare the peace of the Lord into the turmoil that the enemy has planned around your life, in your home, and with your finances, and with your children. We speak peace to it. We speak shalom to it today in Jesus' name. We declare a divine turnaround today. Today, I command your faith to rise up in Jesus' name. All you need is this much. All you need is this much today. All you need is this much in Jesus' name. And I heard this (laughs) debt freedom over the land. I take it for this land. I take it for this house and this land. But this region's land will be debt-free in Jesus' name. It will prosper. It will flourish. And it will produce what Jesus has called it to produce. You will produce what God has called you to produce. You will not be left lacking. You will not be left wanting. You will not be left in famine. And your children, your children are an inheritance of the Lord. So we call the inheritance in this region in, in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. I feel like that's right on with what I believe the Lord has released over me. So we received that today by faith. We don't ever take the word of the Lord for granted. Amen. Come on, stand to your feet and grab your Bibles this morning, if you would, please. And go with me to 1 Kings chapter 9. And I want to tie a couple things together. I hope you brought your Bible today or your app, something, brought some sort of word with you today because we're going to look through some scriptures the best that I can this morning with the time that we have. First Kings chapter 9, I'm going to begin reading in verse number 10. And it came about at the end of 20 years in which Solomon had built the two houses, the house of the Lord and the king's house, Hiram, the king of Tyre had supplied Solomon with cedar and cypress, timber and gold, according to all his desire. Then King Solomon gave Hiram 20 cities in the land of Galilee. Somebody shout, the land of Galilee. I'm just going to call it our region. It gave him 20 cities in our region. So Hiram came out from Tyre to see the cities which Solomon had given him, And they did not please him and he said what are these cities which you have given me my brother so they were called the land of kabul to this day that's what he called them he called them kabul which literally means good for nothing means a land of limitations it's a land of unfruitfulness or barrenness we just heard the word of the lord that god is about to make the land debt free are we, are we on the same page so far and then verse number 14 and Hiram sent to the king a hundred twenty talents of gold now run over with me to the New Testament to the book of John John chapter 1 just one little verse here John chapter 1 verse number 14. Of course, this is speaking about Jesus here. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw, or one translation says, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten Son, or the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and of truth. And the Word became flesh. And he dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Glory beheld is glory revealed. And I woke up this morning with that verse on my heart, and I heard the Lord say, unleash the glory. So that's my title this morning. We're going to unleash the glory. I need you to high-five about three people around you and tell them the glory is about to be revealed. Come on, just tell them the glory is about to be revealed. I need some Holy Ghost people up in here that just believes that God can do exactly what he said he would do. Can you just shout amen? Amen. I want to pray for you real quick. Father, we thank you this morning for the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do in this place, Lord, as people have gathered in in your name today. Lord, I thank you for those that are watching our services online. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for a quickening. Lord, I thank you today for an understanding. I thank you for the revealing of truth today. Holy Spirit, you're the communicator. You're the revealer. We thank you for what you're going to do in our hearts today. And we give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor now in advance. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody together said amen. Amen Amen and amen. God bless you this morning. You may be seated. Unleash the glory. Hallelujah. When you think about the glory, or when I do, particularly think about it in this context, the glory of God is an abstract concept. Many times the glory can be a difficult thing to describe. It can be a little hard to articulate and give definition to. Sometimes the glory can be tough to describe, but the thing that you need to know about the glory, you know when it's there. You know when the glory is present. You know when the glory of God is in a place. You know when the glory of God is on a life. And, when you, and you know when his power is present. Can I have an amen right there? That's the thing about the glory. It may be hard to define. It may be hard to articulate because it's an abstract concept in a way because you don't always just see it visually. But you know when it begins to manifest. So we understand that God is omnipresent. That means he's everywhere at the same time at all times. But his presence is not always manifested everywhere or even discerned at times. And you can miss God when you don't discern him. God can be right in your midst and you can be sitting right next to somebody who could be full of God's glory, full of God's presence and God's power and God just be all over them and you can completely miss it even though you're only inches away from them because God must be discerned. Amen? So I believe that it's the glory that brings the reality of God, not ritualism, not routine. It's the glory that reveals God. It's the glory that brings us to the realization that the God that we serve is alive. The God that we serve is not dead, and the God that we serve, he's alive and he lives on the inside of us. Amen? Amen. So it's not just enough to learn about God academically. It's not just enough to try to explain Him intellectually. God must be experienced. God must be experienced and He must be related to by the Spirit. And I believe this, and I'm just laying a little bit of a foundation because these were the thoughts that were coming to me early this morning. I believe that part of the Reformation that needs to happen not only in our nation. But part of the Reformation that needs to take place, which means a reforming or a reshaping of something, part of the Reformation that needs to come not only in our nation but in our churches is not just a Reformation of doctrine only, but there has to be a Reformation of one of experience. One of the things that we are lacking in the body of Christ is a lack of experience. We have people who know how to come to church. We have people who know how to sit under the word, but they never experience God. They never have this sense of touch from God. They never experience the glory of God. And after a while, if you go through life's motions, how many know that you can get religious with punching in your spiritual clock and you can go to church and you can walk out the same way you came in? I know a lot of people that come to church mad and they leave mad. I know a lot of church I know a lot of people that come to church upset and they leave upset because all they did was they came in out of routine and ritualism and they punched in their spiritual clock and they never had an encounter with God. They never had an experience with God. And what that does is it begins to weaken the nature of God. And then we think that God is some distant deity that we only worship when we need something or we only pray when we have to have something. But ladies and gentlemen, the God that we serve is a living God. He's an all-powerful God. The God of the universe chose to live on the inside of us. So God has to be experienced. Has to be experienced. Some of, the, some of the most dead people on the planet are non-experiential Christians. Yeah. On, <laughs> Hallelujah. I feel your love already. Some, some, some of the, sometimes you can come into even a church setting like this. I think Pastor Corey said it. There's like a heaviness in the atmosphere. And I don't get that. I don't understand that because if there's a heaviness in here, somebody brought it. And then somebody's feeding it. And somebody's staying in agreement with it. All I know is, is when I woke up this morning, this was the day that the Lord has made. And I was going to rejoice. And I didn't care if they had a banjo and a tambourine. I can praise God by myself. I don't need a worship team. But thank God that when we come in, we can experience God on a level like no world can ever have. So, so, so part of that reformation has to be one of experience. Because you can have years of exposure to doctrine and never change. Amen. Amen. You you can sit under the word of God for years and never change. You You can be I love Jesus kind of Christian and sit and listen to a preacher preach for 45 minutes or an hour if it's me. Just trying to help y'all out because some of y'all need to get saved right now. And, And you can sit under the word for years, service after service, and never have a genuine encounter with a holy God, and that word never comes alive on the inside of you. And the next thing you know, you have born again believers walking around with a chip on their shoulder. I think Vanessa said it last week when she was preaching that, that why is it that you can be saved for so long and not ever know the God that you are saved for and from the things of the world? Yes. How, how is it that we can have this almighty, all-powerful, all-loving God of the universe wrapped up inside of humanity and come in here and just discern there's a heaviness? I tell you what you do, you come in here and you break it. You break it. You come in here and you say, you know what? I didn't come in here to worship a dead God. I came in here because my God is alive. And I don't care if the person next to me is a visitor or a non-visitor. I'm not going to let them dictate who I am. And I'm going to give God praise. See, because you can have all this exposure to doctrine. And never change. But one minute in the presence of His glory. One minute in the presence of His power and His authority. And everything in your life can be altered in that one minute. I fully understand and believe that there is a place for doctrine. Y'all know me. I'm going to preach scripture. I got a bunch of scriptures I'm going to lay out here for you today. I believe in doctrine. I believe in scripture. I believe in preaching the word. And I thank God for it. But ladies and gentlemen, we are living in a very serious moment in our nation as it relates to the church. We are living in some very strategic times on, on the clock of God's calendar because we have growing up now people in our churches who have been exposed to doctrine but never seen the manifested presence of God. They have been exposed to the word but they have never seen God move. They have never seen God touch people's hearts and lives to the point that the presence was so visible on somebody's life that they couldn't even stand to talk about it. I don't know. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not trying to bring us back to some old days because I don't believe God's visiting our past. I believe he uses our past to propel us to our future. But I remember when I was growing up in church, when you had some altar services, people would just linger at that altar service, and they would tarry. They would pray. You would see real tears coming down from men's faces you would see real tears coming down from hearts who were hungry for the things of God and they would fight in the battle, in battle, in the realm of the spirit. They would pray over somebody until breakthrough began to happen. I can remember Wayne Haskew just lay hands on me. I would kneel down at the altar and I could hear him praying behind me and I could feel the power. I could feel the presence of God. But ladies and gentlemen, we had to be careful because now we become so sophisticated. We became so intellectual. We have enough money. We got enough things that we want that now we don't have Time for God, because now God is this distant deity. But can I tell you, it's robbing our nation of power. It's robbing our nation of God's glory, because the nation will never see the things of God except through the church. I remember when we used to have all-night prayer meetings, huh? And people didn't bring their—they didn't come in their pajamas. They didn't bring their pillows. They came in here and they came with an attitude. I came to pray. I came to pull down the altars of the of the living God until the powers of God can open up and manifest. But I know, I know I'm not just talking to you. I'm just saying this is an atmosphere of an attitude that we have to be careful with because even in our nation now, we don't have time for those things because after a while, we are too busy. But can I tell you, if you keep viewing the direction of our nation, one day you're going to wake up and you're going to say, I wish I wasn't that busy. I wish I had enough in God in me to say I can do something about what's going on. Amen. So, 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 so this will be on the screen for you. When, when there's no experience, then even doctrine can become a stumbling block because with the absence of the experience, our doctrine becomes void of power. Amen. That's a good one right there. When there's no power, then our information becomes void of evidence that the God that we serve is alive. There has to be power in the church. There has to be power in God's people. When we have no proof, then our witness of him stays abstract. Then all we do, now watch me just hang out with me for a moment, then all we do is we start talking about the end times. <laughs> we start talking about how bad everything is. Then everything, we, we go from preaching the gospel to eschatology. Then all we, we just talk about the end times. We just talk we start we start talking about well, you know, he's coming back, he's coming back, and yeah, we know he's coming back, but that is not the message of the gospel. And then then all we do, then all we do in the church and we start talking about nuclear wars and bombs and bunkers, dehydrated food and generators. We start talking about more about the antichrist than the living Christ. And and then we start start labeling everybody. Well, the whole world's going to hell. Really? 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 Why is the world going to hell when the church has the power, when the church has the ability to step into a hell-gone world and say, we are here to interrupt your plans? (laughs) We never end up relating to them the message of our experience that has changed our life. Now, just... Let me qualify it, because I do believe he's coming back, and I do believe one day that eastern sky is going to crack open. I got all that. I'm with it. I'm with it. And I want to go on that first load. huh? I want to get on that good old gospel ship, right? I want to go on that first load. I got it. I'm with it. I'm with it. I, got it. I want to be there. But ladies and gentlemen, what has robbed the church of its effectiveness What has robbed the church of its power is because we have put so much emphasis on his returning rather than our staying. Because the reason why we want him to return is because we want something easy. We want God to come and rescue us. Can I tell you something? God is not going to come and rescue his church from nothing. He said, when I come back, I'm coming back for a bride that's without spot or wrinkle. When I come back, I'm coming back for a church that's full of glory. Hallelujah. He's coming back for a church that has some glory on the inside of them. So our witness, if we're not careful, when there's no glory, when there's no presence of his power, our witness stays theoretical. Our witness stays conceptual. In a, in a conceptual form, and it's a concept. It's just out there. It's, it's, it's never revealing. and Therefore, we give no evidence to anybody around us that the God that we serve is alive. Yes. <laughs> Hallelujah. I don't know if I should pick on you too much this morning. You look a little tired. I only got 30 minutes to wear you out. Church has to be more than just a service with some good coffee and some donuts. <laughs> we need a church that's full of glory. I'm not against coffee and donuts. You can get some right there out the back. You get a little hungry right now and just slip on out there. It's probably closed, but you can slip out there and just smell it. I'm not against all that. But have we come to the point in the body of Christ that we have put more emphasis? on coffee and donuts and accommodating the appetite of men in a natural realm versus having an appetite for the things of the Spirit. Like like when you came in here, you came in here prayed up. You came in here looking for a devil to cast out. You came in here waiting to lay hands on somebody. You came in here waiting to get in agreement with somebody. Say, yeah, we're going to pull that stronghold down today. Yeah, we're going to believe, God, that families can be restored. We're going to believe, God, that an entire region can come debt-free. We're going to believe, God, that there's a breakthrough in the atmosphere. I just need somebody to say when I come into the house of the Lord, I come to agree with what God is doing in that day and in that hour. I didn't come here just to drink a cup of coffee. I came in here to let the devil know. I am coming after you with everything I got, and I am bringing the authority and the power and the glory of God to make sure you don't get a foothold in my family, you don't get a say-so in my generation, and you definitely don't have no say-so in my city. Come on, push on somebody and tell them, unleash the glory. Unleash the glory. Unleash the glory. Hallelujah. We've gotten so good at presentation that we've lost our manifestations. Amen. Amen. We've got lights, machines, smoke machines, fog machines, (laughs) camera, lights, camera, action, skinny jeans. In the body of Christ, you can always tell who's in the ministry. Just look at how they cut their hair. They all look the same on the platform. They all look the same. We follow trends rather than following the glory. Come on, talk to me up in here. We, we, we don't need a church that's fashionable, we do need a church that's up to date. But we don't need a church that's following the trends. We need a church that when somebody gets in our proximity, something in them is about to be revealed because the glory of God is about to come out of us because we have beheld his glory. Now we will reveal his glory. Glory beheld is glory revealed. Tell somebody, unleash the glory. We got to be careful that we don't get so good with mechanics to the point that we become... Ritual and routine, and I think what bothers me probably the most as a preacher is that I don't want nobody sitting at home trying to describe what we're doing at a certain time. Oh, that bugs me. I don't want to be that routineish, and I know we got schedules and things that we follow, but I don't want somebody to say, "Well, at this time they're going to be taking the offering, at this time he's going to get up." At this, time. I don't. I, I, want, I want the Spirit of God to have free flow access. That he can walk up in here and manifest his glory at any given moment. That happens with hungry hearts. If we're not careful, we're not careful what we'll do is we'll turn our preachers into motivational speakers. Stand up here and give you a 20-minute TED Talk. Make you feel good about how bad you are. Amen. <laughs> we turn our prophets into psychics. For $8.99, I'll give you a word. Call me now. Remember Chloe? Call me now. Huh? Just, just like, no, that, that's not God. Huh? If we're not careful, we'll turn our psalmist into entertainers. Just entertain us a little bit. Just make us, just, just let us feel good about just being in church because after all, I only got like an hour and a half to give you because half the church gets here late anyway. probably should have picked a better day to push on you. In order to unleash the glory, there has to be this appetite on the inside of you that says, I don't want one day without him. And I don't want to be so routine and ritualistic in my walk with God that that it becomes so describable in natural terms versus spiritual terms. And this becomes a concern for me because now the body of Christ, if we're not careful, we start getting divided over doctrinal issues, and never realizing that all doctrine is incomplete. How many's ever believed something a while back, but now you lived a longer, lived a little longer, went a little further, and your belief had to be adjusted? Huh? At that point, it's good to know that my witness of Jesus. It's not based on what I know in Scripture, but it's based on the person. I'm going to wait for you right there. It's not just the principles that I'm hearing, but it's the real person that I know. That's why God gave us Jesus first. He gave us the person first. The word. Became flesh, and it dwelt among us. One translation says it tabernacled among us. It 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 became near to us, and it was glory beheld. So that I can give some glory out. This this witness of Jesus becomes so personal and so powerful that I don't have to know all the Bible verses to explain what I feel. On, Hallelujah. So it's our experience of Him that helps us communicate the principles about Him. And it's, and it's in knowing the person that begins to activate the principles. Just track with me for a moment. And thank God, because when you haven't been around long enough to know doctrine, you can still know Him. When you haven't been around long enough to quote Scripture, you can still quote Jesus. Hallelujah. And that's what happened to the early disciples. That's why in that early church, Acts 4.13, this will be on the screen. When they were getting ready to arrest Peter and John, they said, Now they observed the confidence of Peter and John, and they understood that they were uneducated and untrained men. That doesn't mean that they were ignorant of anything. That means that they were not scholared in the ways of God. They were not from the, from the rabbi, the rabbinical schools. They were not from the Pharisees or the Sadducees. They, they couldn't quote Scripture. They couldn't quote the Torah. They couldn't quote the Pentateuch. So they called them uneducated and untrained men, but they recognized them as having been with Jesus and being in His presence. Ladies and gentlemen, when you understand it, if I can stay in His presence, things in my life begin to get shaped. I looked at all these teenagers that were standing up here, and I watched every one of them. We've been here long enough to watch them when they were just running around in the nursery. We watched them grow up, and their lives have been shaped by being in the presence of an almighty God. And it begins to shape their life. It begins to form a mindset. It begins to release a certain attitude and how they walk and how they talk. They can be amongst their friends and stand out, not as somebody who knows the Bible, but they have been with Jesus. God is looking for people that will be with Jesus. Hallelujah. Because when you don't know Scripture, you can know Him. And we need a church. That gets back to the understanding that I may not be able to quote it so eloquently. In fact, I'll probably butcher it if I try it. But I know this. I have spent some time in his presence. And I have beheld his glory. And when I get into my world, I release his glory to everybody around me. Come on, tell somebody, unleash the glory. Unleash the glory. Unleash the glory. If there's no understanding of this, then the enemy continues to rob us of our forward progress because you can get saved and end up thinking and sitting there like you don't have nothing to give and you'll have a delayed progress. Then we start comparing ourselves. I wish I could quote scripture like them. I wish I knew as much of the word as them. Let's just start with knowing him. To the point that The light in me dwells not in darkness. That's what your Bible says. It says, be sure that the light in you dwell not in darkness. You get to the point that you are so hungry and fixated on knowing the person that you fall in love with the person of the word. And then you wake up and you can't wait to read the word. Then you begin to digest the word because now your spirit is alive and you want to know everything you can about him. But ladies and gentlemen, we have to be careful, and I'm just saying this for our church because if we're going to see a land turned upside down, if we're going to see a land revealing God's glory, there's got to be a witness in the earth. There's got to be a people in the earth that understands I'm not just going through religious calisthenics, but I've got a real relationship with Abba Father. I got a real relationship with God the Son and God the Holy Ghost and his breathing so deep down on the inside of me that even when I wanted to do what I wanted to do, there was enough power and glory that kept me on the right track. God's calling his church alive to release the things of God. In our text today, we read where Solomon had just finished building a temple for the Lord. He just finished building a dwelling place for God's presence. Solomon who now was the son of David, had just finished building what his father could not. Hmm, Think about it. Implying there's coming a generation, and I think it now is. There's a generation that's emerging that's going to do things that a previous generation could not do. Are you with me so far? There's a generation that's going to see things. That a previous generation never saw. There's a generation that's rising that's going to build things. Come on, New Harvest Church. That a previous generation only prayed about. Whew. i got some breaking news coming to you next week. We're about to break open on some property out here. We're about to build some things. There's a generation that's rising that's going to do things that previous generations never did. Solomon built what his father could not. Right now on this planet, right now there is alive on this planet a generation of people. Hear my words accurately. There's a generation of people that's going to learn how to live in the unexplainable. Got good three or four amens over here. Didn't hear much over here. I want to say it again for your sake, case y'all were drifting off. I want to make sure you get that. There's a generation that's going to be alive and well. That's going to live in the unexplainable. In the unexplainable. There's a generation who will live outside the realm of their own experiences. There's a generation alive right now that will see the miraculous as common. It's a generation, this is Christine's words this morning, it's a generation who will see breakthroughs on massive scales. Breakthrough on massive scales. It's a generation that will literally see entire cities transform with the manifested presence of God's glory. See, I just want to help us to understand, if you, if you keep watching your news, you're going to think that the whole world is about to be flipped upside down and we're going to lose this thing. Jesus is not going to lose nothing. The earth doesn't belong to the devil. It never has and it never will. The earth belongs to the children of men. The highest heavens belong to the Lord and the earth he has given to the sons of God. Ladies and gentlemen, you have to understand, yeah, there's going to be turmoil. Yeah, there's going to be darkness. Yeah, there's going to be gross darkness. But in the midst of the darkness, there's a glory. There's a people rising in the earth that walks through the earth and begins to speak to the earth and say, you will line up according to the will of God. If not, you will forfeit your family. You'll forfeit your children. You'll forfeit your inheritance. But thank God there's some people. Thank God there's a generation that says, I'm not giving up nothing that God has blessed us with. Come on, give him praise if you believe that. I know things have to slide and things have to get ugly. I'm just telling you that the church don't move with the times. The church is the beacon of hope. The church is the light in the midst of the darkness. The church is the way for those who have lost their way. And if all we sit around and we just eat this doom and gloom news, then the next thing you know, you stay more focused on how to survive rather than thrive. And you get into a survival mode. And one of the things that has damaged the church for years is we have an escapism mentality because we taught that Jesus is going to come back and rescue us. That is not biblical. That is not the Lord. He is coming back for a bride that has some glory. A bride that has some power. A bride that is laying hands on the sick and cancer is moving out of the way. A bride that is walking through the midst of the earth. Come on, COVID-19. A bride that can speak to the COVID disease and say, You can't come nigh to my dwelling place. Oh, yes. hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I understand. I understand. I understand. We watch the news and we get information. Ladies and gentlemen, you don't get your theology from the news. Amen. <laughs> it's a generation that's going to do some things. It's not that we're a better generation. We're just the next generation. Joshua wasn't a better man than Moses. He was just the next man. Elisha wasn't a better man than Elijah. He was just the next man. And the difference between us and the previous generations is revelation. God is always revealing himself on a different dimension. There's revelation now that most people didn't have back in 40 or 50, 60 years ago. Because God is always revealing himself. And should the Lord tarry, what we're preaching today will become obsolete almost. Because God will keep revealing himself to another dimension. So the church as a whole is moving into a greater realm. I'm about ready to close because we're running out of time. But the, the church as a whole is moving into a greater realm of revelation. We're not only going to know the Jesus of the cross but we're going to know him in the power of his resurrection. Are you with me? As glorious as his life was before the cross compares not to anything to the glory of his life beyond the cross. See, the church as a whole is moving into a more glorious realm of revelation. That will literally bring greater manifestation of his presence in the earth. Look at this verse right here. It will be on the screen. 1 John 4:17. As he is, so also are we in this world. Notice it says as he is, not as he was. On, as he is, so also are we in this world. How is Jesus? He's in his glorified state. So, as he is in his glorified state, so are we in this world. Glory beheld is glory revealed. So, we are becoming more like him. Oh, my Lord, y'all making me sweat up here. Look with me in 2 Corinthians 3.18. Guys, throw that up there for me real quick. 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as from the Lord the Spirit. Notice that we are being transformed into what image? The same image. As he is, so also we in this world. So he's in his glory. We are being transformed into that glory. Come on, you got to get up out of, your fa- out, out, out of your head and get into some faith right here. We, we, we have been so carnally minded. We have been so solically tied to the earth that we don't operate by our spirit enough. And God is transforming us little by little. little by, we, we, we are beholding ourselves. The reason why you look into a mirror is to see how you look. The mirror lets you know what you look like. And he says as we behold ourselves, even as unveiled faces, James says it's the mirror. It's the mirror of God's word. We look into the mirror to see what we are supposed to be like. And we keep being transformed into the image of our Savior. Ladies and gentlemen, that's when glory begins to get revealed. That's when I'm trying to tell you, entire counties can be saved. Entire regions can be flipped upside down. Don't you limit for a moment what God will do. That's why the Bible teaches us, and we won't read all these scriptures, but it teaches us to put on the Lord Jesus. Galatians 3.27 says put on the Lord. Ephesians 4.24 says put on the Lord Jesus. Colossians 3.10 says put on the Lord Jesus. Romans 13.14 says put on the Lord Jesus. The word picture is is you put Jesus on because when you put him on, you positionally become one with him. So we're being transformed. Romans 12.2 says be not conformed, to this world, but be ye transformed. That word transform is the same word that it was in 2 Corinthians. It's the word meta, "metamorphu." Met, it's where we get our word metamorphous. That means you go from a tadpole to a frog. <laughs> huh? You're being transformed. You, you go from a caterpillar. To a butterfly. Once the tadpole becomes a frog, he never goes back to being a tadpole. Once the butterfly, once the caterpillar <laughs> becomes the butterfly, he never goes back to being the caterpillar because you're being transformed into his image. When you became born again, you ought to be being transformed into the glorious state of his image. That means I'm never going to go back to the way I was. I'm never going to be like who I was because I'm going from glory to glory. Because there's a world that's waiting on the manifested presence of God to flow through me. Are you with me so far? He said, put it on. Put on the Lord Jesus there's an example in Genesis 27. I won't take time to read all that, but in Genesis 27, when Jacob stood before his father, Israel, he stood there because he was looking for the birthright. Esau was the older son who was supposed to get the birthright, but Jacob got up in there with this conniving, cunning, yeah. deceiving self, somebody. And and he, he got together with his mom, Rebecca, and uh she said, you need to get in there and get that birthright, and so we're going to kill this, this goat. And, and Esau, was a, Esau was a hairy man. Yeah. We're going to take this goat, and we're going to put that goat hair on your hand. We're going to put it on your neck, because Israel's was, eyesight was going dim. He was almost right. blind. Right. She said, he ain't going to be able to see anyway. You just get in there, and you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna put on Esau. Yeah. On. <laughs> and when he got to his father, his father said, well, There's an appearance that looks like Esau. You smell like Esau. You feel like Esau. But you sound like Jacob. But everything about you reminds me of Esau. So the father says to Jacob, the younger son, who was not qualified for the birthright, he says to him, what do you want from me? And he says, well, I want the firstborn. right. And the father gave. The younger son, the birthright blessing, because the younger son put on his elder brother. Y'all going to catch me in a minute. In Scripture, Jesus is our elder brother. When you come to the father as a younger son, he's not moved by that. But when you put on the Lord Jesus, you look like my son Jesus, you smell like my son Jesus, But you sound like Chuck. What do you want from me? Ask anything in my name and I'll give it to you. That's the blessings of the Father. Ladies and gentlemen, that's why we got to be clothed in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we got to be wrapped in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it becomes glory beheld is glory revealed. That's why the Bible says put on the armor of God. Are y'all with me? Put on. The helmet of salvation. Well, who's our salvation? Jesus. Put on your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Well, who's our peace? I see we're going to have to go back to Sunday school here. Have your loins girded about with truth. Who is truth? Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, Jesus is the truth. Take up the sword of the Spirit. One translation says, put on the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Who is the Word of God? Jesus. Jesus. Take up your shield of faith. Who is our faith? Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. So when you start walking clothed in Him, People don't see Chuck Pelham, hopefully. Hopefully they see the glory of God. I'll tell you something. Some of the most intimidating times of my life, like standing up here Wednesday night preaching to three quarters of an unsaved crowd. Three quarters of that crowd was unsaved. And you're preaching a gospel message in the best way that you can without using Christianese. Because they don't understand the anointing. They don't understand the glory. They may not understand what power means but boy they can see something coming out of you. They can feel something coming out of you. They know that that ain't some that ain't from this realm. And, 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 and sometimes, that, so that's why we have to understand because it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by the spirit of the living God. So what God does is he touches you with himself so that you can go into a hostile culture, you can move into a hostile world, and you can let the glory of God flow out of you, and you can be the witness of God in the earth that's coming out of heaven. Amen. Amen. I, I was. I, I think Pastor Corson. I said it a while ago. We've done baccalaureate services here since 2006, six, which is what 15. Somebody help me. 15, 15 years. Done it right here, right here in this building for 15 years. Done baccalaureate service, and I've been to every one of them. I have not missed one in 15 years. And we have never given an altar call. Wow. Wow. We've never had anybody pray the sinner's prayer in 15 years. And I got through preaching, and there was something on inside of me, and I could not shake it. I could not let it go. It was like pulling on me. And I felt like if I'd have laid this mic down and walked off, I felt like I would have disappointed God and disobeyed God. And I just kept hearing the Lord say, you lead them in a sinner's prayer. And, and, I, and I felt like, well, God, you know, Audie, they going to think this. And, they go, and, and I, I just heard the Holy Ghost say, I don't care what they think. See, when you get so full of God, you don't care about the opinions of men. You don't care who this is over here, Mr. Big Bucks over here or Sally Loudmouth over here. You don't care at the end of the day. You just know that there's something on the inside of you. And we don't know who prayed that prayer. That is not my business to say who prays the prayer or not. My business is to make sure they get a chance to feel the power, to feel the glory of God. That's why we do what we do. That's why we are what we are. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Let me get to my text so we can go home. When when you get out of the Gospels of Jesus Christ, or or the Gospels of the the New Testament, the four Gospels, Jesus is no longer referred to as the only begotten Son of God. He's referred to as the firstborn. Romans 8.29 says he's the firstborn among many. In other words, Jesus is no longer the only Son. We are too. Yes. Yeah. What's true of Jesus is true of you. Right. Romans eight sixteen says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then, were, then we are heirs. Heirs of God, watch this, don't miss the language, and join heirs with Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jesus is no longer the only begotten Son. I am a son, too. I am of the Father. I am a joint heir with Jesus Christ. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians, we are seated with him in heavenly places. Everything that's under his feet is under my feet. Every power he has, I have access to. Woo! Come on, talk to me. Just jump up in here for me. I know you're tired, but just jump up in here for a minute because, listen, that means when somebody says, I got cancer, you stand there as the son of the living God and you speak to those cancer cells and you say, dry up, be gone in the name of Jesus. You get a Billy Johnson who they say part of his heart ain't working. You stand up and you say, Billy Johnson, let your heart beat according to the number of your days that's been described on the calendar of heaven. That's how you operate in a world that's gone mad. That's how you operate in a world that's gone crazy. Because you have the power. You Should be throwing books and babies and Bibles right about now. Jesus was the firstborn of many who came preaching and demonstrating the gospel of the kingdom. Now we're everywhere. Paul said to the church at Corinth, I didn't come to you with enticing words of man's wisdom, but I came to you in the demonstration of the power of Jesus Christ. I'm not here just to give you a little cute sermon so you walk out here and make you feel good about your bad situation. There's a gospel of the power of Jesus Christ that will get rooted down on the inside of your soul and liberate you. We heard the word of the Lord. It will break you through on multiple dimensions. Amen. So our need for power gives us witness to another world. That's why Jesus even told his disciples, said, it's imperative that you hang out in Jerusalem. Hang out. Hang out until the promise comes. Yeah. You just hang out. Don't, don't go nowhere because what I'm calling you to do, you can't do it without this power. Right. You got to stay in that upper room till you have been endued with power from on high. He didn't say stay in that upper room until you get another degree. He didn't say stay in that upper room until you get a better job. He didn't say stay in that upper room until you get the house of your dreams. He said you stay in that upper room till you have been endued with power from on high. Because you're going to go into a culture that's hostile to your faith. And your degree will not move the kingdom. Your degree will not answer problems. But there's a power resident on the inside of you that will cause the kingdoms of this world to become the kingdoms of our God. Hey. Come on, Pastor Porter, we'll, we'll close here. Y'all could just remain standing, the ones that are not asleep. <laughs> Y'all know I'm playing. I know everybody's tired. We had a lot of stuff going on. I get it. I'm tired too. But I'm here to see something happen. When, this will be on the screen. When power is revealed, the glory is manifested, and darkness is dispersed. So we've got to have some power. That means where there is no power... Watch this now. Where there is no power, there are no miracles. And when there are no miracles, there is no glory. That's That's why we've got to have believers activated. Miracles, this will be on the screen. Miracles remove the ruling influence of hell while establishing the ruling presence of God. I want to say something just to let you know where I stand. Okay, I just want everybody to know where I stand. I've made up my mind years ago that I'm going to be a witness for God. I've had people in this church. We've been here for 30 years. I've had people in this church to try to curve my preaching, try to tell us how to curve the, the worship songs like we're supposed to play for you, like I'm supposed to preach for you. I'm preaching for an audience of one, and the Holy Ghost will preach to you. We've had people try to try to control and manipulate. I've had people say to me, like, "Hey, you know, if you just do it like this, boy, them offerings will get bigger." Whatever. We didn't build this on. We didn't build this ministry on you. This ministry is built on the foundation of apostles and the prophets, and we just get to participate in God's dream. Amen. So we had people, you know, people. People are going to be people that, that don't, that when you're not living in the spirit, you're going to live in the flesh. Yeah. Okay? So we've had those things. But this is what I want to make clear because he said, I want you to go into Jerusalem. I want you to tarry. Acts 1.8 says, and you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. Right? He said, you shall receive power, dunamis, power, the ability of God, the might of God. That's what the Holy Ghost does. He gives you power to do what Jesus did on the earth. Jesus did not do what he did on the earth as the Son of God. He did it as the Son of Man, empowered by the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that lives in you and me. He walked on the earth with the same power of the Holy Spirit. He he didn't do it. He didn't do it. He didn't come and all. The Bible says in, in Philippians, he laid down his authority. He emptied himself of no reputation. He set aside his, his his deity. And he took on the form of a human. And he gets filled with the Holy Ghost. And he operates according to the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm trying to tell you, it's not by might, it's not by power, and it's not by spirit. You, 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 can't, you can't do the works of God in a fleshly realm. You got to do it by the Spirit of God. And so, so he said, stay in Jerusalem until something gets in your life like you've never had before. I feel like God's not just this church, the big C church. God's calling the big C church, and particularly in America. Let's get back to our upper room. Yes, yes. And let's get filled with the power from on high. I'm setting you up to explain something to you because I've made up my mind that I'm going to be a witness And I'm not going to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's not because I'm a preacher. I was doing this before I was a preacher. I just made up my mind as a 12-year-old boy when I got saved that I'm going to live for Jesus Christ. And and not that I'm perfect, but I just made up my mind I'm going to go for God with everything I got. Okay? And I want to be a witness for Him. So that means to me, this is how I wrote it down this morning. That means to me that if every average Christian around me falls short of that biblical standard, that means this, even if people are not being healed, I'm not going to offer a superficial reason to those around me to remain comfortable with the void. That's the way I wrote it down. I'm not going to try to explain, well, how come God did? Listen, I'm not, I'm not the healer. That's right. But I will possess enough power to pray over you. Yeah. Come on, God. So, 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 so I will continue. I'm just using healing. There's, there's everything. I'm just using healing because it's obvious. Because America will fight for their health. Yeah. Just ask the mask mandators. Right. We will fight for our health. we we will give up freedom for health that's what's going on it's an ideology it's an ideology so so I will pursue healing until it comes or until that individual goes on and be with the Lord but I refuse to lower the standard of my Bible to my level of experience y'all gonna have to help me right there and here's my standard. You say, where's your standard? And Here's my standard. This will be on the screen. Here's my standard. Jesus healed everyone who came to him. Matthew 4, 23, he went about healing every kind of sickness and disease. Yes. Y'all say, well, that's Jesus. That's the son of man yeah. empowered by the same Holy Ghost. All right. All right. All right. Matthew 12, 15, he healed them all. Luke 6, 19, power went out and he healed them all. Acts chapter 10, 38 says, he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. For me to accept any other standard is to lower the experience of God's power and authority to my level of reasoning. We need a church that knows how to stand in faith, Release the glory that we have. Because God's about to release this, unleash the glory in this region. I went over just a few minutes, but I was late getting it. But in our text, in our text, it says, Hiram, who had helped Solomon build the temple by supplying cedar and cypress plus all the gold he wanted. And now Solomon in return was going to bless him with 20 cities. He was going to give him an entire region. In his efforts to bless him, Solomon gave him 20 cities. And Hiram went out and he looked at those 20 cities, and he did not like what he saw. And the Bible says he cursed the land. He called it Kabul, which literally means a place of barrenness, no good for nothing. It's a place of limitation. The the, the actual word that was used was the word sterile. Was unfruitful land. That's why that word became so important when Christine shared it with me and Karen right there at the beginning of the service. Hiram had cursed the region. And if you follow the historical narrative, the people began to believe it. But even though Hiram had cursed the land, he didn't get the last say-so. Because I want to show you a prophetic response. Isaiah 9. Isaiah 9. Guys, can you throw that? Isaiah 9.1 says... But there will be no more gloom for her who was in anguish. In earlier times, he treated the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali—that's That's the land of Galilee with contempt. But later on, he shall make it by the way of the sea on the other side of the Jordan, the Galilee. That's where we started from, of the Gentiles. Next verse. And the people who walk in darkness are about to see a great light. Yeah. Those who live in a dark land... The light will shine on them. Woo. And you shall multiply the nation, and you shall increase their gladness, and they will be and they will be glad in your presence as with the gladness of a harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. Yeah. Come on, can you just give God praise? That's 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 a that's a prophetic, that's a prophetic response. You gotta catch this. That's a prophetic response to Hiram's curse. Hiram prophesied that in 550 B.C. He cursed the land, 550 B.C. Isaiah comes along 150 years later, and he says, God's going to redeem the land. Yeah, yeah. The land's not going to live under the curse. 700 years from Isaiah prophecy, now the Son of God is being born again. Yeah. Oh, Lord, oh, no, oh, man. Just, I, I know y'all, I feel like you're checking out, but you got to see this. What was once a curse will now become glorious. The land was filled with gloom, held in contempt by Hiram's words. And that was a prophetic response. This is the last thing I wanna say to you. 25 out of the 33 documented miracles that Jesus did occurred in that region. Trying to help this house. The very land that they said will never produce Jesus walked into that land, and 25 out of the 33 documented miracles, it happened right there in that region. It became a land full of miracles. Come on, can you hear the prophetic word coming? God wants to open up this region with miracles. 19, next slide, 19 out of 32 parables were communicated right there in that region. In other words, the word of God is about to come alive in this region. There's a whole other level of revelation coming through this region. God is moving in greater realms of revelation. Next screen. It was in that region that Jesus fed the 5,000. Hiram said it's good for nothing. Jesus made it a place of provision. Supernatural. That's why that word is powerful. Supernatural provision. Coming to the land. Hey, listen, don't 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 pick on me because I feel y'all trying to check out. I'm gonna push this. God gave me a word for this house. I'm t- I'm pushing this thing into the psyche of your own mind right here. Don't don't let laziness overtake you right now. Hear the word of the Lord that right here in this land, God is gonna provide supernatural provision. Right here. And it was in that same region that demons were cast out into the swine. In other words, Demonic power will no longer have ruling influences. But God's people will influence the land with his glory. Glory. That's where we're going. That's what God is doing. Then in our text, he says, And Hiram turned around after he cursed the land, gave Solomon 120 talents of gold. What I'm trying to say to you, even though the devil don't like it, he's going to make the devil pay for it. He's going to make the devil give it back. Somebody said, why 120? Well, in 2 Chronicles, there was 120 at the dedication of the temple that Solomon built. In the New Testament, you get to the upper room. There was 120 that went into the upper room. Here's what I'm looking at. There was 120 in the Old Testament, and the glory filled the house. There was 120 in the New Testament, and the glory filled the house. Could it be that God's just going to fill his house with glory, and there's about to be a shift over the region? Hallelujah. Come on, if you believe that, just throw your hands up and give him a praise for a moment. We're going to go, but come on and give him a praise. Come on, let's just praise him because something's going to shift. Can give it up. Give up my family. Here comes the glory of the Lord. Give up my family. Give up my children. Give up my promise. Here comes the Let go glory of my healing. Of the in the Come on, I feel the glory. I feel the glory. Your house here it comes here comes the glory of the Lord yeah. here comes the glory of we unleash the it today we unleash the glory sweeping in the room hey we release it today
1: oh, we release the glory
0: Come on, just for 30 seconds, lift your voice and begin to release that glory. There's a glory that's being unleashed. It's being locked up. It's being locked up, but you're you're unleashing it now. You're unleashing it now. You're feeling the atmosphere. You're feeling the climate. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, I need a voice. I need a voice to be lifted in this house today. There ought to be a voice lifted in this place today that the power of God, the power of God, okay, hallelujah. Come on, we're contending. We got family. We got loved ones. There's pressure from every side. We will not cave in. We will not give in. We will not give in. We will not give in in. in the land of Kabul. God is going to make the devil pay it back. God's going to make the devil give give it up. Give it up. Give it up. Give up my family. Give up my son. Give up my daughter. Give up my children. Give up my grandchildren. Release healing. Release healing. Healing flow. In the name of Jesus. Man. Come on, just tap somebody on the shoulder and tell them we're going to unleash it now. We're going to unleash it. We're going to unleash it. There's theological things that if we could grab in our spirit, man, you, you may be attacked. You may be hit from all sides, but you'll never be defeated. That's right. I'll say that again. You may be attacked, you may be hit, but you will never be defeated. Just because I'm not winning, don't mean I lost. Listen, I played sports long enough in my lifetime to know. I know what the clock says and I know what the score says. And sometimes we were not on the front end on anything. But you know what? You just keep battling. I like what Vince Lombardi said years ago, the old Green Bay Packer head football coach. He said, I've never lost a game. I just ran out of time. (laughs) Because there's something to be said about a believer. And and In a theological context, if you just think about it this way one time, when Satan went against God in heaven, God said, I ain't having it. And he kicked him out of heaven. The Bible says... He fell like lightning. Jesus himself said, said, I saw Satan fall like lightning out of heaven. The moment the devil pushed on God, God said, that ain't going to work. The devil could not overthrow heaven with God in it. What makes you think that the devil can overthrow this planet with God in you? What makes you think to believe one moment that the devil can get the upper hand as long as you're in it? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So we're going to unleash the glory. Father, we thank you today. Thank you for those that have gathered. Lord, there's a timetable that's ticking. There's an eternal calendar that's moving. God, let us be people of the Spirit that stay in tune, stay intact. Let us be people that stay on your schedule as we continue to shape our region so that the powers of hell don't overrun it. Lord, we give you thanks, and we give you glory. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. 32nd prayer, and we're going to walk out of here. You're in this place today, and you don't know Jesus Christ. You don't know him as your personal slaver. You don't have this living God that I'm talking about. You don't know him. There's only two types of people in this room today, those that are born again and those that are lost, those that are on their way to heaven and those that are not, those who have a relationship with Jesus and those who don't. And you're in this place today and you're just not sure. Or maybe you served God at one point in your life, but now you know it's not right, and you're in a backslidden condition, and you want to make it right. You're in this place today. I'm not asking you to join this church. I'm not asking you to be a part of this fellowship or this ministry. I'm just saying let's just get into a relationship with the Lord. Let's just get our heart fixed. Let's have a live in God. Let's open up our hearts. You're in this place today. You say, you know what, preacher, that's me. I I just want to acknowledge God. I want to make sure he's the center of my being. I had no idea on Wednesday night when we prayed that prayer, I had no idea. And nobody in that room had any idea that when we prayed that prayer on Wednesday night, the next day, a young senior would be killed tragically in a car accident. Life is but a vapor, here today and gone tomorrow. How you leave this world is how you enter your next dimension. If you leave this world without God, then you enter into eternity without God. Those are hard words to to swallow, but that's the reality of Satan. He plays for keeps. And you're in here today, and you say, you know what, I just want to make it right. A quick 30-second prayer, and we're going to go. But I want you to be honest. Heads are bowed, eyes eyes are closed, people are praying. You say, you know what, preacher, let me get it right today. If that's you, just raise your hand right where you are. You just want to be honest today. I'm just going to scan the audience. You just want to be honest today. I'm just looking. I'm going to make it right today. I'm not walking out of here unsure. I'm walking out of here today knowing that my heart is right with Jesus Christ. I don't know everybody in here, so I'm just scanning the audience. Just raise your hand so I can see it. I just can't see everything because of light. Just put it up. God bless you. I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you, young man. Thank you. I see it. I see your hand back there. Thank you. Thank you for being honest. I saw it. Thank you. Several hands are going up. I thank you for that. Thank you for being bold. It takes a lot of boldness. The thing about it is you're not by yourself. Everybody in this room that's a Christian had to pray that prayer. And now we're walking that walk. Several hands have gone up. This is what I want to do. Will you give me the opportunity to pray for you for 30 seconds? That's all it's going to take. I just want to unite my faith with your faith, with your raised hands. That you raised your hands, will you just step out of your aisle right there where you're at and just meet me right here. Church, come on, let's give God praise for those that are coming. Come on, just step out of the aisle. Come on, come on. Come on, young man, come on. Come on, sweetheart, come on. Come on. Come on, come on. we're just gonna pray real quick. Come on, man. Come on, there you go. Come on, baby, that's it. That's it. it takes a lot of courage. Come on, sweetheart, come on. Amen. coming, hallelujah God bless you today amen, amen thank you so much, thank you why don't you just lift your hands just for a moment, I want you to repeat this prayer after me, the Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you'll be saved today either you're recommitting your life back to the Lord or you're asking God into your life for the first time, but as we raise our hands it's a sign of surrender and you're saying God I'm giving you mouth Whole being today. You're gonna to pray this prayer out loud with me. The whole church is gonna pray, so you're not gonna be singled out. Everybody is gonna join you in prayer today. Pastor Porter, will you help me today? Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus. I come to you just like I am. I come to you just like I am. And I'm asking you today, and
1: I'm asking you today to forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my sins. And
0: I'm asking you today, I'm asking you to, today put right to put me on that right help road. Put me on that right road. Help me to live for you. Empower me to walk the walk, walk walk. and I thank you today that according to your word, my sins are forgiven, my My heart is clean, clean. and you're living in my heart today. I repent of my sins. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 It's that simple. Amen. 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 praise. It's it's... Amen. Lord. Church, let's give God a big God bless you for these folks right here. Come on. Hallelujah. Amen. We thank God for that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, if Wednesday night was not a wake-up call to this community, there is no wake-up call. Life is too short. Don't gamble your life. That's why we do what we do. And I'm just being honest with you. I preached for 45 minutes to get to this moment right here. What God does in between is what God does. Amen. This is the greatest miracle that can take place. Somebody gives their heart to Jesus Christ. It's the greatest miracle. Amen. Hallelujah. Tuesday night is prayer. Wednesday night is youth again. We're back on schedule. We're pushing forward. Father, we thank you this morning for everything that you've done. Thank you today, Lord, for people that have gathered together. Lord, I know it's been a busy time. It's been a busy week. A lot, of, a lot of things happening. But, Lord, I just pray that you bring strength back to your people. Bring peace back to those that are hurting. Lord, we pray for that family that lost their son. Lord, we pray over that family today. God, I pray that you would just begin to bring comfort and bring some sense of peace and stability to them. Lord, I just thank you, Lord, that you will surround them with the right voices that will speak to them today. And, Lord, we just thank you, and we just give you praise for what you're doing in everyone's hearts, in everyone's lives. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody together said amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Have an amazing afternoon.